0: Amen. Let's take the Word of God this morning. We will go to Proverbs chapter number 20. Proverbs chapter 20. Once again, thank you for letting me be here and I've enjoyed thus far last night and what a great blessing. And the food was tremendous last night and uh, the breakfast items, I tell you. In fact, my very first <clears throat> kind of introduction to Falls Baptist and uh, to the Victory Conference and all that uh, came through Dr. Jim. I was actually the pastor of our church and uh My youth pastor had left uh, to take a church, and so I took our teens to camp, and I was at the camp, and Dr. Jim, I'd never heard him preach, and uh, he was preaching, and God just knit our hearts together and enjoyed the time of fellowship. In fact, I remember one day in particular, it was lunchtime, and, you know, camp food is usually not the greatest, you know, and especially when there's teenagers involved, and so I was standing in line, and it looked bad, I mean, really bad. But what I noticed was Dr. Jim came walking in, he looked at the food, turned around and walked out, you know, and um, I asked him later, I said, where'd you go? He said, man, that looked terrible, I went and got something else to eat. I said, well, I wish you'd have taken me with you, you know, and so, but that was um, the first instance, and so, of course, started coming to the Victory Conference, and it was a great blessing. When I come to a retreat or a meeting like this, I know that there is a God in heaven who hears our prayer. He knows our need. It reminds me of the story that I heard about when Franklin Roosevelt was the president of the United States. He used to get weary of all the formal banquets and meetings that they used to have, and he said to his wife, nobody listens to what I say. Nobody listens, and they just come there. They're supposed to be there, and he said, I'm going to try something, and so they had a special meeting with all the ambassadors around the world coming, and of course they were there because they had to be there. And of course, uh, him and his wife were standing there greeting people as they came through, and uh, he thought to himself, "These people do not listen to anything I say, so I'm going to try something." So he thought that when they come through, he would say to them quietly, "I killed my grandmother this morning." That's a true story. So here they come. He's standing there. And he's ready for this. He's seeing if they will really listen to him. They will respond to him. And they came through, and he kind of leaned over, bent, and he said, "I killed my grandmother this morning." And Uh, One after one, God bless you, Mr. President, doing a great job, keep up the good work, all these things. They never listened to anything until finally there was an ambassador from Bolivia, and he could, and the president, he stood there, the president said the same thing, I killed my grandmother this morning. And the ambassador from Bolivia stopped, and he looked around, and he got a little closer to the president, and he said, well, I'm sure she had it coming to her, you know? (laughs) And so, I love to know that there is a god in heaven who listens to us and he hears us in fact this morning as i was reading in the word of god i came let me just give this to you before we get into the message but psalm 34 the bible said this poor man cried and the lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles and verse number four says i sought the lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears then i love this They looked unto him and were lightened. I love it. God heard them, and I believe God will hear us as we seek his face. We come to Proverbs chapter number 20, and I want to read two verses, and I want to jump around quite a bit this morning, but I want to preach to you this morning on God's call for faithfulness. God's call for faithfulness. And by the way, I believe there's only one time that we find in the Bible where it uses the word success and it's found in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. And it talks about our hearing and obeying the word of God that then thou shalt have good success. But men, I do not believe that God calls us to success. He calls us to faithfulness. And faithfulness to God is great success. I want to be a faithful man. I cannot do what other men can do. But God has not called me to do what other men have done or are doing. I I believe with all my heart that God will enable me to be faithful to Him. In fact, Hudson Taylor, I love his writings, he said this God is not looking for men of great faith. He is looking for common men to trust his great faithfulness. And I'm reminded of that. I am just a common man. But I am looking to the one who is faithful. And so today, as we talk about God's call for faithfulness, how can we be faithful men? By the way, I I want to be faithful to my wife. Uh, This July, we will celebrate 24 years of being married. My wife's from Georgia. I'm from Tennessee. i married a Georgia Peach, and I thank God for my precious wife. She's my best friend, and, and I do not deserve her. But I want to be faithful to my wife. I have three children, two in college and one in high school. I want to be a faithful dad. I want to be a faithful pastor. I want to be a faithful son to my parents. I want to be a faithful man. But can I say this to you? My faithfulness to God enables me for all other areas of faithfulness. When I am faithful to God, then that enables me to be faithful to every other area in life where faithfulness is required. So today, God's call for faithfulness, Proverbs 20, verse number 6. The Bible says, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. That kind of goes back to last night. But the Bible says, but a faithful man who can find. Verse 7, the just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Now let's talk about God's call for faithfulness. As we think of faithfulness, faithfulness is possible for all believers regardless of our education or our talents. Men, um, there's certain things I can and cannot do, but with God's help and with God's divine enablement, I can be a faithful man. God wants us to be faithful. I want to be faithful to the matter of prayer and faithful to His Word. But God enables us. I, I remember early in my Christian life being very frustrated, striving, working, laboring so hard to try to be faithful, and then I came to First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 24, where it says, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. I am looking to the faithful one. I in and of myself, I am not faithful, but I am trusting the one who is faithful. We sing that song, Great Is Thy Faithfulness. And today, and today, as we think about being faithful to God, uh, men, you can be regarded highly successful in the eyes of men and yet unfaithful in the eyes of God. I do not want to be regarded successful to other people and unfaithful in the eyes of God. So we think of Proverbs 25, 19 says, Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Think of that. God says the faithful man, when we put confidence in the the unfaithful man, It's like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. By the way, where does faithfulness to God begin? I believe it begins in the matter of our heart. It really is the private, secret place of our heart when we are right with God. In fact, so many Christians live very surface lives, very public lives. There is a private world about me and there is a public world. And it's in my private world. It is in my quiet time alone with God, the private secret place of my heart where no one else sees, that is where faithfulness is required. So I'm going to give you some simple thoughts this morning on how to be a faithful man. Number one, a faithful man is a man of integrity. Back in Proverbs chapter 20, and we notice that verse where the Bible says, verse 7, the just man walketh in his integrity. He walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Would you go to the book of Job, uh, chapter number two? Job, chapter number two. Let's let's think about integrity. God desires for us as men, if we're going to be faithful to God, we must be a man of integrity. Uh, Back on October the 25th, 1999, uh, there was a twin-engine Learjet that had taxied down the runway in Orlando and it was heading to Dallas. Everything seemed to be fine, but somewhere over Gainesville, the plane that should have made a left turn um, and headed toward Texas, but it went off course, and it headed towards South Dakota. Repeated attempts to get a hold of the aircraft was, was nothing. They could not get a hold of the pilot. They could not get a hold of anybody on board of that plane. Finally. Five fighter planes were dispatched to go up and to make visual contact. And the two F-16s finally were able to pull within 50 feet of that Lear jet. And the pilots reported that they were unable to see inside because the windows were iced over. The plane flew on autopilot for about 1,400 miles over a period of four hours and finally crashed into a grassy field at 600 miles per hour. They determined that the plane had lost its air and the, and the oxygen within, and everybody had died, and they were flying alone and crashed. Now here's what I want you to think about. Let's say that you were somewhere on ground, and you looked ahead up ahead, and you saw that plane flying over. You know what all of us would have thought? Well, hey, great, right, it looks good. Man, they must be heading somewhere we would have had no idea that inside the plane was death and destruction. There was something majorly wrong on the inside of that airplane. And I think sometimes we behold men that maybe come to a fall. By the way, it's never really a fall. It's little sins and little things, subtle things that we allow into our life. And on the outside, everything looks okay. But on the inside, there is major problems going on. And you know something, the matter of integrity is, that, in fact, the word means to be complete. It means to be together in honesty, nothing to hide or fear, transparent together. Uh, in, in, integrity has the ideal that there's nothing that we are afraid to be found out about. Everything is open and exposed before God. We are right before Him. And if we are going to be a faithful man, then it means a matter of integrity. We come to the book of Job, and Job is quite a character in God's Word. What a man of God. What a faithful man. Job chapter 2, and verse 1, again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord, and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered, look at this, my servant Job, and that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect, the word there means complete, and an upright man, one that feareth God and exteweth evil, and still he holdeth fast, look at this, his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause." I believe we understand that Job was a man of integrity. Go to Job chapter 31 if you would please, and I want you to look at this. We think about the matter of integrity. Men, our private life is really the battlefield. It is not what we are doing necessarily on the outside, not what we are saying, and not what people may perceive of us. It is in the private, personal level of our heart where the real battle rages that is a matter of integrity that before god we are right with him you see as we think about this matter of integrity nothing is more important than to be right with god in the private secret place of our heart that is where the battle is won or lost as we think about being faithful men, job 31 verse number one job said i made a covenant with mine eyes why then should i think upon a maid for what portion of god is there from above and what inheritance of the Almighty from on high? Is not destruction to the wicked and a strange punishment to the workers of iniquity? Doth not he see my ways and count all my steps? If I have walked with vanity or from my foot have hasted to deceit, let me be weighed in an even balance that God may know my integrity. Men, God knows us this morning like no one else knows us. I've told our church often that you know, my wife, she's, I've been married with her almost 24 years, and my wife knows me like nobody else knows me. She knows my weaknesses. She knows my faults. She knows my failures. She knows the times of valleys and trials. She knows that. But I'm going to tell you this. There's even a level that my wife does not know because my wife cannot see my heart. She does not know if I'm really a faithful man in the matter of integrity. It reminds me of a story I heard about a shoplifter who had come to know the Lord as his savior. Now, he still needed a level of sanctification in his life, but he had shoplift and he had stolen from a certain store and he wrote a letter to the store and he and, and enclosed. He put a $100 check and he said, I want you to know I've came to know Christ as my savior, and I'm trying to make things right with God. And this has troubled me greatly that I stole from you. And he said this, if my conscience bothers me more I'll send you another $100, all right? So the idea was, the man was like, I'll take care of a part of my integrity, but not the whole. You see, integrity means that there's nothing to hide, nothing to conceal, and by the way, man, let me say this to you. Does it mean something to you to be a person of integrity? God will enable us through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit to be men of integrity before God, and to have integrity before our families. In fact, men, we have no integrity by the power of our own. It is God who upholds us in the matter of integrity. It is God who enables us to be men of truth and men of honesty before God. By the way, I think the matter of pornography today is a matter where men fail in the matter of integrity. I heard recently, I think Dr. Jim and I were talking one day, and he said, "Now." People are sending like emails or maybe text messages saying, if you do not pay me a certain amount of money, I'm going to expose your porn addiction to your family or to others when they have no idea if the man has a porn addiction. But because it is so prevalent in our society, men are paying the payment. You see, the thought is, if we have integrity, there's nothing to hide. There's nothing that I'm afraid to be found out about. And when I, I am, the Lord calls me home, I wonder what my children are going to find out and what they're going to know about me. I, I'm thankful in my heart with God enabling me that I can be a faithful man. By the way, the Bible says in Proverbs 19, 1, Better, I love that word, better is the poor that walketh in his integrity than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. The Bible says that there is a choice in the matter of integrity. Sometimes I think we think there is no choice. I just have to be dishonest in this way. This is how I have to get ahead. This is how I have to do my business. But men, God says that we have a choice in the matter of integrity. By the way, do you know that nobody can take integrity from you? It is a matter that we willingly give up. It is something that we choose. Better is the poor that walketh in his integrity. Some Christian men think that they can rob a little here and cheat a little here and lie a little here and think that they can be a man of integrity. But a faithful man is a man of integrity. Number two, I want us to go to 2 Timothy chapter number two and I want you to look at this. And I want to kind of go throughout God's word to find what we find in, in faithful men. Number two, the faithful man knows he is a soldier of Jesus Christ. Now look in 2 Timothy chapter 2 in verse number 1. Now therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I love that. Be strong. I, I have two boys, and I thank God for my children. And I'll tell you this. I just want my children to follow Jesus Christ. That's it. I've told my sons, I said, look, I do not know if God has called you to preach or what God wants you to do, but I just want you to follow the Lord. And this is often what I pray for my kids. God, help my sons to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Now notice this, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now a faithful man knows that he is a soldier. That means this, he's in a warfare. He is in a battle. You know what soldiers the right kind of soldier a good soldier is not a soldier who complains not a soldier who whines about how tough it is to be a soldier. He's not a soldier who complains he understands that this world is against God and the things of God but he is willing to go against the grain of this culture. He is, in a sense, going to swim upstream with God's help and God enabling him. He's a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We have men in our church, and we, uh, our church is not too far from Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, about 45 minutes away. And we have men who work there and who are soldiers, and they come to our church. And uh, I, I love those men. I thank God for them. They are, they are men that understand that what they are doing, there's a price to be paid. There is sacrifice to be made. But they are a good soldier. And men, we are soldiers today. We can expect hardship. We can expect that there's going to be difficult things. We must lead our families and lead our homes. But a faithful man realizes that he is a soldier of Jesus Christ. Number three, the faithful man does not entangle himself. Let's read on in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And notice what it says. Verse number four. No man that warreth a soldier, entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. Men, if there is anything this morning that keeps you from being all that Christ wants you to be, that is an entanglement. No matter what it may be. I came to know the Lord as my Savior at the age of 17, but I want you to know something. There were things in my life that were entanglements. There were things that were hindering me that were holding me back. When I was in high school, I used to run track and cross country and it was kind of something I really enjoyed. And the one thing that my coach made me do is to wear weights on my ankles and made me run like that. And I'm gonna tell you something, you talk about hurting and you talk about laboring. And I remember when I was able to take the weights off, oh boy, freedom, victory. And uh, the load was so much lighter. And You know what? All through life, what the devil seeks to do is to put entanglements upon us. Things that weigh us down. Now, they may not necessarily be sin. In fact, the Bible says that we, in in, in Hebrews chapter 12, we are to look unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. But there are things that are weights and there is the sin which does so easily beset us. There may be things in your life that are entangling you from having the life of prayer. And by the way, your prayer life is your Christian life. And really, our attitude toward prayer is really our attitude toward God. And if anything is hindering our prayer life, it's an entanglement. If anything is hindering our walk with Christ and being a faithful man, it is an entanglement. In fact, Proverbs 26, 11 says, As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. Well, that is an entanglement. It is something that a man continually goes back to. He goes back to he's a fool. It's an entanglement in his life. Uh, You know, today I'm thankful for um, obviously technology and uh, the ways that we can use it for the Lord. But sometimes social media can be an entanglement. It can be a time waster and captivating our heart and mind. We understand that pornography no doubt is an entanglement. There are things that maybe are not necessarily wrong for us, but things that tie us down. By the way, men, let us realize to never lose touch with our real depravity. And here's what I mean by that is, I am more blessed today than I can ever imagine. And God has been so faithful and good to me. Coming back to this camp is really uh, very special to me because I left here 11 years ago going to be a pastor and I get to come back here and get to preach and to know that God has been faithful to me. He has never failed me, not one day. I am blessed beyond what I can ever imagine, but hear me out, I have a heart that is more deceitful than I could ever know. Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart, I mean the Bible says our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. And the Bible says that we can even know the depths of depravity of our heart. Never forget what you're capable of. Never forget how easily you and I can rebel. Never forget the potential that we have for evil. And that should not cause us, as Pastor Wayne talked about, to cause us to become inward and to become discouraged and defeated. It should cause us to run to the faithful one who enables us to be faithful to draw nigh to him and to seek his face, to know, Lord, I cannot live a life of faithfulness, but you are the faithful one, and I'm depending upon you to enable me to do what I could never do in my own strength. In fact, men, understand this morning that you have the potential to destroy your marriage. You have the potential to divide a church. You have the potential to bring disgrace upon the name of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we must be faithful men, men of integrity, And men are good soldiers of Jesus Christ and men that we are free from those entanglements. We must guard against those entanglements. He does not entangle himself. Number four, the faithful man finds his acceptance in Jesus Christ. My dad, um, I thank God for my mom and dad. My dad um, was a Southern Baptist pastor when I was growing up. My dad pastored many uh, small Southern Baptist churches, and in fact, my dad was the pastor of Southern Baptist churches where they voted, you're never going to believe this, they voted on the pastor every year, whether he stayed or didn't stay. I'm really glad my church doesn't do that, you know, because it might be in trouble sometimes. And it was called a vote of confidence, and I can remember just as a kid being ushered out into the foyer because they were voting on whether or not the pastor and his family stay or not terrible ideal. And of course you understand what would happen on that day. All kinds of people that had not been there all year came back that were still voting members. And I can remember one Sunday we got voted out, voted out. And uh, nothing, it was because my mom and dad wanted to put us in a Christian school and they just did not like that. And we got voted out, but God was in it. God was working through that. And God brought us to a good church but can I tell you something uh, my dad has shared with me and, and um, that he has struggled in his life finding that acceptance in Jesus Christ. His home life, my dad is a first generation Christian. He grew up in a home where um, his dad belittled him. My dad, if you were to see him, my dad um, was born just a few months before the polio vaccine came out. And my dad contracted polio just as a child. And My dad walks with a limp. Now, my dad has gone on in life with that, but he has struggled. His own dad belittled him. He was made fun of. And my dad struggled in life to find acceptance. He was not going to find it with his father. He was not going to find it with any other area in life. But men, if we're going to be faithful men, we must find our acceptance in Jesus Christ. Now, notice what it says, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And look what it says. It says... Verse number four, no man that worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. We understand that we do not entangle ourselves that we may please our Savior. But men, can I say this to you? The greatest concern of the faithful man should be the approval of Jesus Christ, the approval in him. By the way, let, let us think just for a moment about our acceptance in Christ. Do you know today that we are already accepted in the beloved? We are accepted not for what we do, but for who we are in Jesus Christ. I want you to think about this. The eternal and limitless God pays attention to you and me. He notices you individually. He turns his gracious face towards you. You and I do not have to get God's attention. We already have his attention. You and I, we don't have to work to get God's approval as his children. He accepts us this morning. By the way, I think that all of us love affirmation. By the way, I I think that a flip side of that is why in the book of Proverbs, the strange woman, the harlot, is so dangerous. What does she use? Flattery. And guess what? We respond well to flattery. We do. Because it, 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 as I talked about last night, it puffs us up. It does something to us. It is a weakness, I believe, of men in, in the most general case. But we love affirmation. We love that acceptance, that approval. We desire significance. We desire recognition. We all benefit by being encouraged from others. And, and we should seek to edify one another. But this silent struggle that we have for approval can often be a wrong motivation that keeps us on a roller coaster of insecurity and instability in life. We crave that. We want that acceptance. We want that approval. But, men, it can only be found in Jesus Christ. I remember going back to last night, I talked about when I traveled neighborhood Bible time. When I went there, they had many meetings and preaching and all of that. And boy, I'll tell you, I struggled with just being so introspective I think that's a weakness that I have personally and I struggled with just being so down on myself I can't do this I can't preach I can't do this but when I found that I was accepted in Jesus Christ not for what I could do or for what I accomplished but he just simply accepted me because I'm in Christ it changed everything in my life that acceptance in Christ By the way, Satan is very quick to take advantage of our need for acceptance and affirmation. He either enlarges our pride or he consumes us with our our failures and reminds us of our failures. And we become so so down and so defeated in our heart and mind. But a faithful man, he finds that acceptance that is found only in Jesus Christ. By the way, uh, it is easy to get caught in the trap of wanting the approval of other men. I know as a preacher that has been a, been a difficulty in my life. Wanting the approval of other preachers and wanting the approval of the pastor that I grew up with. Wanting that approval. And I'm going to tell you something. We must as men find that approval at the feet of Jesus Christ. By the way, can I say this to you? If you've been born again, you don't have anything to prove. Nothing to prove. You can't be any more loved right now than you are loved by the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing you could ever do would cause him to love you less or to love you more. He accepts you fully and unconditionally, not for what you could be one day, but for what you are right now, because you are in Jesus Christ. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. It's not about who accepts you. It's about who has already accepted you. And that is Jesus Christ. And by the way, when I think about this acceptance, man, I'll tell you, when I'm alone with God and I'm in his word and he speaks to me, he spoke to me this morning. And can I tell you that when he speaks to me, it is almost as if the Lord is saying, son, I love you. I care for you. I'm at work in your life. He knows our faults and failures. He remembers that we are dust. He knows our frame. And yet we must find our acceptance in Jesus Christ. Number four, the faithful man. All right. Let's go to Matthew chapter 25. I want to show you something else about faithfulness. Matthew chapter 25. You know, I believe that as a general rule, the more we realize how faithfulness is so very important, and maybe the more faithful we become to God, the more we see a lack of faithfulness in our life. A lack of faithfulness. God has called us as men to be faithful. I believe every man here this morning, you want to be faithful as the leader of your home. You want to be faithful to your wife and faithful to what God has given you to do. But please remember that our faithfulness is looking to the faithful one. He enables us to do this matter of faithfulness. Matthew chapter 25, we deal with the parable of the talents. And I love this passage. Matthew chapter 25, let's begin in verse number 14, if you would please, as we look at the fifth Uh, um, thing about faithfulness. Matthew 25 and verse number 14. The Bible says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered, you ought to underline that word delivered, unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey." Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, also, likewise he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, and men, I believe that every one of us, this should be the desire of our heart to stand before our Savior one day and to hear these words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Now notice this. Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, And gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went, and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given. And he that hath abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away, even that which he hath. Now this brings us to our fifth point. The faithful man accepts his God-given responsibilities. Now God has entrusted all of us with a variety of responsibilities. It may be in the form of your gifts, your talents, your abilities that God has given you. And by the way, I believe this includes our family responsibilities, our job responsibilities, our ministry responsibilities. And look back in verse number 14, if you would look at this and, and, and look what the Bible says. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who hath called his own servants, and I had you underline that word, and delivered unto them, notice this, his goods. Men, this word delivered means to entrust or to commit. It means to give or to assign responsibility. I'm sure that at this retreat, there have been men that have been assigned certain things. You you're in charge of the singing. You're in charge of the sound. You're in charge of getting this set up. There's responsibilities and men. All of us have responsibilities that have been assigned to us. Now, there are two types of responsibilities. Can I give them to you? Those we enjoy doing and those we don't enjoy doing. I have responsibilities that I don't enjoy, but they are God-given responsibilities. But a faithful man fulfills his responsibilities whether he likes them or not. And an unfaithful man, please hear me out, he does what he feels like doing and doesn't do what he doesn't feel like doing. That is such a battle in our heart and mind. Well, I just don't feel like doing it. Well, there are many God-given responsibilities that are our responsibilities. He has entrusted to us. The Bible says He delivered, here it says, unto them His goods. I have been delivered some goods from God. Can I tell you this? He's delivered me to, well, He's delivered me, my wife. God had mercy on me and gave me a wife. I thought I was going to be a bachelor to the rapture, but the Lord had mercy on me, you know? He delivered me. That I'm entrusted with that. To love her, to cherish her, to care for him. God has delivered to me children. The doctors told my wife and I, we would never be able to have children. And uh, God worked a miracle and God allowed us to have children. And God has entrusted, he has delivered unto me those goods. Men, you have been delivered things into your hands, but they really don't belong to you. They are God's. But we are responsible for those. The responsibility is to be the loving leader of your home to provide for your family's needs, to teach your children God's word, to be a faithful employee or employer at work, to actively participate in your local church, to proclaim the good news of, of the gospel of salvation. Those are responsibilities that God has delivered to us. And can I tell you what a faithful man does? A faithful man, he accepts those God given responsibilities. And with God's enablement, he fulfills those. Number six, the faithful man realizes his personal accountability to God. I told our church recently, I said, there will be a day that I will stand before God and I will give an account of being the under shepherd, the pastor of this church. And I believe that with all my heart. Let's go to verse number 16. Would you notice it? What the Bible says, Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid, look at this, his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh, and look at this, and reckoneth with them. That word reckoneth means to settle accounts. There will be a day when every one of us, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. It is a terrifying thought to stand before a holy, righteous God who knows every motive of my life. He knows every detail, and I will give an account. I have a personal accountability to God. And you know what a faithful man does? A faithful man realizes that personal accountability. He knows that he will stand before God one day and he fulfills his responsibility and he knows his personal accountability. Uh, Getting back to my dad, my dad is probably one of my best friends, but my dad grew up in a home where his father was not a faithful man. And my dad has said there has always been a temptation for him to excuse his lack of faithfulness because of his dad who was not faithful. And by the way, when we look in the parable of the talents, do you know what we find? We find excuses. In fact, what is the great obstacle to faithfulness? In fact, what is the opposite of faithfulness? Can I tell you what the Bible says? Laziness. It really is. We look at this. Look in verse number 24, if you would. Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 24. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man. By the way. This man did not think right. By the way, A.W. Tozer said, what we think about God is the most important thing about our life. And I want to think right about God. He is compassionate. He is loving. He is true. He is faithful. But notice what he said. Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. You know what this man did? One characteristic... Of a lazy person, that he is full of excuses. If you have children, you know what children are masters at excuses. But men, sometimes we are good at excuses. We excuse our lack of faithfulness. We excuse our lack of prayer. We excuse it. We we blame it on our maybe our upbringing. We bring it on our blame it on our past. We blame it on maybe our personality. We blame it. But we must understand that God's ideal of success simple faithfulness and here's the wonderful thing about it men I cannot do what other men God has used them to do but by God's grace I can be faithful and no matter who you are in here no matter your background no matter if you've been saved a day or 10 or 20 or 30 years all of us by God's grace we can be faithful to Jesus Christ because he is faithful to us We can be faithful, and that is what God rewards. I love this. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I desire to hear that from my Savior one day. I pray that that is the desire of your heart. None of us are good in and of ourselves. We are only good because of Jesus, but He enables us to be faithful. And we see here that this man had excuses. By the way, excuses go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, do they not? The blame shifting there. God, it's this woman that thou gavest me. And the woman, it's the serpent, hath beguiled me. All down through, shifting the blame, excusing our faithlessness. Number seven, and the last thing this morning. The faithful man hears and obeys the word of God. Let's go to Joshua chapter 1. And I want to kind of end there this morning. As we think and look at the only time that we find the word success in God's word. Man, I desire to be a faithful man. I pray that that is your desire in your heart. But Let's look in um, Joshua chapter 1 and notice what the word of God tells us here. Joshua 1 verse number 7. Notice it says, Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Men, really, my attitude towards the Bible is really my attitude towards God. And you know something we think about I have a book in my study called How to Master the English Bible. It's written by James Gray and it's a wonderful little book. And in the book Mr. Gray talked about how that we need to meditate on God's word but what he talked about was taking books of the Bible and read them through in one setting and then starting over and read them through. And he said where God brought him to this one day he was at a meeting and it was a conference of preachers and, and people had come to hear these preachers. And he came in contact with a man that he met all week long. And the man had such peace and had such joy and had such victory and really revival in his life. And finally, at the end of the week, Mr. Gray went to him and said, Look, I, I just want to talk to you because what you have, I do not possess. What you have, I do not possess. And the man looked at him and said, Well, I got it from Ephesians. (laughs) And Mr. Gray said, well, I've read Ephesians. What do you mean? He said, let me explain. He said that the man and his family had taken a little vacation and the man had put in his pocket just a copy of the book of Ephesians. I mean, just a small little thing that had been printed. And he said every day he found a place in the woods where he went and found a tree and he sat underneath that tree and he read through the entire book of Ephesians. And then he read it through again, and then he read it through again from cover to cover, from end to beginning. And he said it was almost as if I began to master the book of Ephesians. And then he stopped and said, no, really, Ephesians began to master me. He said, God began to I, 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 I came to live in the book. The book became to live in me and God gave me. By the way, in Ephesians, we find acceptance, do we not? We find the grace, we find the strength. And God used that in James Gray's life. And he began to read through books of the Bible from beginning to end and then start over. He said his life began to have joy and freedom. And men, can I tell you something? The faithful man hears and obeys the word of God. I was encouraged this morning to hear some of you talking about your hour with God and what God did in your heart. I'll tell you something, that, that's what changes everything. There's times in my life when I've come before God and said, God, I'm, I'm not going to make it. I'm just not going to make it. But I get into His Word, and God begins to speak to me. And I'm going to tell you something, it's glorious and it's joyous because in His Word, I find that it's not me. It's not looking to myself. Because when I look to myself, I get pretty discouraged. When I look to what I'm capable of, as Paul said, he <laughs> He said, there is nothing good in me, but when I get my eyes on the faithful one, the one who can do all things, that's why Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We look into Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. In fact, I'm reminded of what Hudson Taylor once said. He said, it is not what Hudson Taylor does for God that matters, but what God does through Hudson Taylor. And he also said this, I'm reminded, he said, all of God's giants have been weak men and women who have gotten a hold of God's faithfulness. In fact, by Hudson Taylor, when he was 37 years of age, he had already founded the China Inland Mission and had experienced really a great measure of blessing, but yet he thirsted for greater personal victory in his life. Although that he knew that there was greater victory available in Christ, he didn't know how to access that victory. And in this time of deep heart searching, it is said that Mr. Taylor received a letter from a colleague in the mission named McCarthy, who was on a similar journey and had been awakened to a life-changing truth. And here was the truth. Mr. McCarthy wrote, It is not striving to have faith but a looking off to the faithful one that seems that all that we need. And Mr. Taylor realized that he knew that faith was the victory, but he had been focusing on his faith and what he could do to gain faith rather than the object of our faith. And the object of our faith this morning, men, is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the faithful one. The faithful Savior who is sufficient for every need. He is sufficient for every trial. Sufficient for every temptation. Listen, I, 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 if I look at myself and what I'm capable of, I cannot be a faithful man. But if I look to the faithful one who never fails, who never falters, who never sleeps, who never slumbers, the God who is faithful moment after moment and day by day, and as I look in dependence on Him, He enables me to be faithful. Faithful is He that calleth you who also will do it men God has called us to faithfulness it's not our striving it is not our laboring it is looking to Jesus a faithful man may God help us this morning. let's bow our heads in prayer father in heaven I thank you for your word and I thank you for these men I thank you for their their faithfulness and coming and listening Lord I look to you today. Lord, would you enable us to be faithful men? Would you deal with us about our faithlessness? Would you search us right now? Would you show us areas, maybe a lack of integrity, maybe not accepting or fulfilling our God given responsibilities? Maybe that, Lord, we have excuses. Deal with us today. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. How many say,